I don't want to have to drive across town, pick his ass up, buy him lunch, bring him back here, have him chew his food into my microphone for 25 minutes, and then take him back home. Room Podcast. I am Darian, and I am here again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me. It's a solo show, you motherfuckers. How about that? It's just me. It's it's that's it. That's all you get. It's just me. Nobody. No Monica. Um, where are they? Is probably what you're wondering. And what's going on with this dude? Why is he all by himself in the padded room? Monica. DMV, as I recall. She just bought a monster truck, and now she has to get the goddamn thing registered. I hope it costs her about $800. That was uh, mean-spirited, and I shouldn't have said that, but goddammit, you're not here, Monica, so you're at the DMV in Carson City, which is not a good place to be. Uh, Sorry for you. Buddy, who the fuck knows? I hope he's out chasing tail, writing uh, letters to Penthouse. Dear Penthouse... I met these two chicks that were really into beards, and I have a long one, and it's got gray streaks in it, and I also have braces, and um, people say I have a sultry voice. All right. (laughs) Enough bagging on, buddy. Hey, fuck them both, man. It's just me and you in the padded room tonight. We're doing it solo. Who gives a shit anyway? I got to tell you guys a few things. Uh, Number one, a little bit of an announcement to make. Uh, I'm going to apologize up front, but there is going to be no Padded Room podcast uh, next week. That's on me. I apologize for that. Um, thing is, I'm having my uh, my floors redone here in the Padded Room studio. I'm having all the carpet taken out. And by that, I mean uh, I personally am removing all the baseboards and peeling the carpet off uh, in the, the weird uh, foam thing underneath. And I'm having hardwood floors put in, so thank you very much for that. Um, Apologies for that. Number two, uh, a little update on the Psycho Bunny Death Cult. A lot of you following us live on the Psycho Bunny Death Cult. There will be a live show tonight, mind you. However, um, well, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't know that there is a Psycho Bunny Death Cult anymore. As it stands, um, we have been reported for some kind of illicit activity. Now, mind you, I was not the only show on the Psycho Bunny Death Cult. There were several, so I can't say for sure who it was that pissed whom off or why we got torn off or how we got broke with that. But needless to say, um, 
I sent it up for review by Facebook, and they have not yet gotten back to me, which bodes most ominous, as they say. And uh, make a long story short, I think we are probably um, not doing that anymore. <laughs> not gonna be doing. We're not gonna be doing that anymore, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I will be going live tonight. Suit, tie, everything you are used to seeing. Uh, it's gonna be. You know what, dude? I'm just gonna put it in the psych in the. Uh, Padded room, inmate recreational area. Why not? Why? What? Let's just do it. Let's just be. Let's just do. You know what I'm saying? It's me. It's you guys. Whoever's still listening to this show, and uh, that that's what that's what's going down, dude. So let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's have fun talking about these these wackadoodle horror movies, and let's move on. And I mean, I would love to stay uh, in the psych the psycho bunny. Death Cult. It sounds like a uh, high-end brothel. It's not. You know what it does? It sounds like a um, like a brothel owned and operated by the Suicide Girls. Think about that. That's like a whole other thing right there. They will pierce your nipples for an extra twenty bucks. Is that what you want? You want to go in there? You want to get your dick sucked and pay an extra twenty bucks? Get a nipple piercing? Maybe uh, do them both in at the same time. That's got to be some kind of a move on the menu. I don't know what what you call what would you call that? Blowing a poke. <laughs> Blowing a nipple poke. No, they would have a they would have a much better name for it. But it sounds terrible. I don't know that I'm into it, and uh, I don't know that I want to pay the extra twenty bucks for it. So apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you will find me live in about uh, I don't know seventeen eighteen minutes from now on the. Padded Room Podcast, Inmate Recreational Area. Thank you all, if any of you do join me. Uh, nobody, no Monica. Apologies for that. Um, and sorry about next week. You know what? I might... It, it, oh, all right, hold off on that. Because if things go swimmingly with the flooring of this room, I might just kick out a show next week. And it might just be me. I already told them to take the week off, as if they need my permission. They clearly have already taken this week off. Why would they not just not take the rest of the month off? By them, I'm referring to Buddy and Monica. I might just be flying solo the rest of the month. I hope you're down for that. Think about that. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for Darian by himself for a month? Dude, let me tell you something. I, for at one point, did this show solo for an entire year. All right? That was, uh, that was a weird transitional period between multiple mics Nurse Nicole and Dr. Dale, the old regime, and when I brought Monica and Buddy on, that was a good year there where it was just me. Okay, is that, think about that. That's terrible. And uh, I'm still here and I'm still doing it, so apparently it didn't all go at, go that bad because I was still getting downloads uh, back then. So, all right, enough about me and enough about my um, the, the history of the padded room here. I tell you what, kids, we got some horror news. We got some listener mail. Let's kick it right off with some horror news, if we could. (laughs) Horror news. Good Lord. Uh, that's right, inmates. It's horror news time. God, what the heck? God damn. Is everything okay? 
I don't know if you guys can hear that, but there, from the sounds of it, there's some kind of a massacre going on uh, next door to the padded room. Uh, has anybody seen a little show called Along Came the Devil? I've heard good things, but to be honest with you, said good things came from Miss Monica. Now, we know Miss Monica, we love her dearly, but if uh, a movie has the word devil in the title, she's immediately going to love it regardless of how, uh, what, you know, what the movie entails or anything like that. Along Came the Devil 2 gets a release date of October of this year. That's next month, baby dolls. What do you think about that? Do I need do I need to check it out? Do I need to see Along Came the Devil? Um, to be uh, to be honest with you, I kind of feel like I've already seen it. And if I've seen it and I don't immediately recall anything about it, that means it got filed into that drawer of movies that I've seen, was not furious at, but at the same time was completely uh, okay with forgetting thirty five seconds after I uh, hit the ending credits. A lot of movies fall into that category, mind you. So let's, uh, I mean, I'll check it out. I, I tell you what, I w- I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to go back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch or possibly rewatch Along Came the Devil. And then I will check out the sequel. And then I will, because I love you so goddamn much, I will then do like a double down on the Along Came the Devil franchise. Um, I don't know, man. It sounds like a pretty run-of-the-mill um possession show so i know monica's seen it if she were here she would tell me exactly what's up but she's not so i'm on my own and i say i will um i'll do a run through why not why not do a run through is anybody out there familiar with the name max brooks you should be if you're not two reasons number one he's the 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 son of mel brooks yes i'm slurring and i apologize okay I had to do a couple shots. Dude, let me... All right. <laughs> let me tell you something about what's going on in the D-man's life right now. I am ripping the floors out of my own home. That is That in and of itself is a bit of a process. Because you have to move all the furniture. I apologize. I know this has nothing to do with anything. You've got to move all the furniture. You've got to take all the floors out. Then your wife is like, oh, we've got to live here. So we've got to put all the furniture back. And then the dude is like, hey, I'm coming to do your floors. So then we've got to move the furniture again. And it's a real motherfucker. And uh, because of that, I've, I'm a couple shots deep into the evening. Okay, so yes, I am slurring. I've had a couple drinks. And um, I, I, to be honest with you, I kind of feel like I deserve them. So there. Anyway, Max Brooks, son of Mel Brooks, uh, that we all know and love from Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. Also, the author of a little book you may have read called World War Z and uh, The Survival Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which we all know and love, right? Now, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news when it comes to Max Brooks. Number one, love him, love his work, love his dad. Uh, you know, you can't, yeah, it's, it's hard to, as a horror fan and a comedy fan, you can't go wrong with the Mel slash Maxwell Brooks combination. Um, loved World War Z, the book. Not a big fan of the movie. And if Monica were here, she, this is where we'd, we'd punch it out. But um, he's writing a new book. It's, uh, I'm somewhat excited for it. It's going to be about Sasquatches. Okay? So... 
that's the bad news. It's going to be about Sasquatches. Sasquatch I. I don't know what the plural of Sasquatches is. Uh, it's going to be called de-evolution. And I don't know where we're going with that. Um, I don't know, man. What do you guys think? What do you what do you think about Sasquatches? Are they scary? Are they, uh, is it, dude, uh, exists, exists, I think it was, the Eduardo Sanchez movie. Great show. Found footage, Sasquatch, last uh, minute and a half of that movie where they are just zoomed in on Mama Sasquatch's face and she's giving you the stink eye like she's about to rip some shit up. That is pretty savage. I don't. Other than that, I don't know that I can find Bigfoot all that scary. There was a, a book that came out a couple of years ago about uh, some meth cookers that captured a Bigfoot and then the Bigfoot got loose and got a hold of the meth and went absolutely bonkers on the entire Pacific Northwest. Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not, I mean, name me one good, other than exist, name me one good uh, Bigfoot movie. Willow Creek was not that great. And I, you know, I hate, it pains me to admit that because I'm a Bob, Bobcat Goldweight fan. And I feel like he did the best he could. He probably made that movie for about uh, 300 bucks. So there's that. But uh, I don't know. It wasn't that great, man. Um, what else you got? You got Exist. That was pretty good. You got uh, Harry and the Hendersons, which is not a horror movie. Um, the Legend of Boggy Creek, which is... <laughs> it's fine. It's, you know what? If you're a Bigfoot dude... Let, you know what? We should do like a uh, an entire Bigfoot thing where we talk about the uh, um, Patterson-Gimlin footage because that's a whole other thing. The uh, wh- Who are those guys? Uh, Astonishing Legends did like a 12-part series on the Patterson-Gimlin footage. That is the actual Bigfoot footage that was shot, you know, where yeah, we've all seen it, where they got a Bigfoot walking away and they're like, oh, there it is. Look at that. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm not a Bigfoot guy, so I think I'm going to probably pass on de-evolution. And I don't have a lot of time for reading books anymore, so there's that. Does the name Christopher Landon ring any bells, inmates? Should. He directed a little show called Happy Death Day. Looks like he is slated to direct an upcoming horror film about body hopping that is going to star Vince Vaughn. Oh... I like Vince Vaughn. I think he's uh, he's got a lot of range as an actor. He gets buttonholed into these um, pigeonholed. I think is the word I was uh, the phrase I was actually looking for into these comedic roles. And uh, but like if you if you saw True Detective season two, he did phenomenal as a mob boss. I think he would make a great villain. A lot of people like to shit all over the Gus Van Sant Psycho remake. I understand why. It's weird. It killed Gus Van Sant's career as it should have. Um, I like Vince Vaughn in it. I I thought he did a pretty good job as Norman Bates, to be honest with you. I think he can be creepy. I think he, um, he's he's got that classic uh, Hollywood leading man appeal to him, although it looks like he never got a good night's sleep in his life. But if you can remove that, he he's got acting chops. So I feel like um, this, this could be okay. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. Uh, are you like me, inmates? Have you seen Castle Rock? 
Are you confused as shit? Because I know I am. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. I watched the whole season. Still can't tell you what's up. Uh, Castle Rock Season 2 is going to debut debut on Hulu uh, this October. It's going to focus on a young Annie Wilkes. Okay? Think about that. That's, uh, of course, Kathy Bates' character from Misery. Who do you suppose is going to play a young Annie Wilkes? Um, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick an actress to play that character, I would go with the chick from Dumplin'. Or, yeah. Is that the name of the movie? The one with uh, Jennifer Aniston where there's a fat uh, young lady who wants to do the pageant? It's Dumplin'. I would, that's not who's going to play her, by the way. But if I had to pick one, I would go with Dumplin'. Who is going to play her is Lizzie Kaplan. Do you remember that name? You should. Uh, True Blood. Uh, Cloverfield, very attractive young lady. That weirdo movie that we watched a couple weeks back where um, humans were trying to invade an Earth that had been taken over by robots. She's very hot. She's very funny. So um, I like Lizzie Kaplan a lot. I would put her on my celebrity bang list probably like in the in the 8 to 12 region, like from the top 10 down. Uh, first four porn stars, tell you right now, but that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, something to look forward to if you're a Misery fan. Uh, Castle Rock, season two. I'm going to check it out. I hope they come up with some goddamn answers about season one because I'm confused as shit about that. Uh, Bill Skarsgård is clearly not Pennywise, but he is some. he got put into... Some kind of a dimensional rift. And moreover, what's going on with the chick from Evil Dead? Uh, she calls herself Jackie Torrance. And she's doing some kind of a thing where she's going to go back to the old... I don't know. I don't know where we're going with that. I'm excited for it, though. Whatever's going on. Um, Terminator Dark Fate. We're all excited for this. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, what's her name? Um, Linda Hamilton coming back as a 72-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> she dude how old do you suppose linda hamilton is she's got to be in her 60s at least right she looks good she looks like she got in shape um as the character of sarah connor she looks like there's a good chance she might be on on methamphetamine and that doesn't i mean i don't know at that age how do you uh how do you stay in shot in shape without looking like you're on meth is a good question um, anyway, Terminator Dark Fate is confirmed as the launching point of another Terminator trilogy. Okay. How do we, ah, how do you feel about, I, while we're on the topic of Terminator, October 4th, T-800 series coming to Mortal Kombat 11. I know I had talked about that last week, but uh, what are we doing here? Are we getting like some kind of a Terminator renaissance? Arnold's coming back all of a sudden? Uh, we're getting away from the uh, the future nihilistic uh, thing going on here. Um, I, I last I last I heard I, there was rumors flying around about this one that Edward Furlong was going to be uh, reprising his role as John Connor. Now I like that I like it, but I don't like it. Let me explain to you why. Because Edward Furlong is a big fat bastard these days. <laughs> okay, <laughs> at least last time we saw him, he was. I'm sorry. I mean, it's not to say he can't get in shape, but Jesus Christ, man, you're supposed to be the leader of the human resistance. You can't be walking around with McDonald's fun bags. You know what I'm saying? Get the fuck out of here with that. And to be honest with you, uh, I feel like it's at a certain point, I know he got into a lot of weird uh, legal problems, 
But I feel like at a certain point, he just gave up on acting. Like, he did Terminator 2. Great show. That was his first role. Debut, breakout performance. Uh, did some other shows after that. Then he comes back with American History X. Excellent show. Really more of a Edward Norton vehicle, which is fine. I get that. He still did a great job. And then after that, he starts rolling in with things like uh, uh, Night of the Demons, uh, Intermedio, um just a host of other shit movies that nobody ever saw. Nobody gives a crap about. And you're like, at a certain point, it's like, dude, you, you just walk away. So what I'm hoping for, if this is true in the Terminator uh, Dark Fate, make it make it a cameo. If you ask me who John Connor is, I say, um, what's it, Christian Bale. You know, uh, what, what, what was that, Genesis or something like that? Um Maybe I, I, you know, I don't know what happened to this dude either. But Nick Stahl, remember him? He was the John Connor from Terminator uh, Three, I think, the one where there was a female Terminator. So I mean, we could do better in the John Connor neighborhood than Edward Furlong. I mean, it'll, it'll be nice for the fans to see him. I, I'm into that. But other than that, I think we can move on. All right, you motherfuckers. That's all we got on the horror news. How about a little listener mail? That was my sensual voice right there. Listener mail. <laughs> See, this is why I'm not usually uh, doing this without adult supervision. Listener mail. Mm-hmm. Let's do a little listener mail. We got emails. We got voicemails. We got all kinds of fun stuff. Let's check it out. Oh, God damn. Am I glad to get into some listener mail? Oh, let's kick things off with an email coming to us from Houston, Texas. It's our main man, Lance, from the Horror Returns podcast. Dude, if you're not listening to the Horror Returns podcast, first, I'm going to invite you to have sex with yourself. Then I'm going to invite you to go check out the Horror Returns podcast. You're going to love that because, dude, it's it, if you like this show, you're going to love that one. It's uh, three dudes, Lance, Brian, and uh, the other guy, Phil. And they, uh, you know, they do the same thing we do. They make fun of movies. And, I mean, there you go. What? Else, what I don't understand what the problem is. Why? Go, go. You know what? Finish this show, then go check that one out. All right, back to Lance. Here come, here he comes. Subject line, this week's matchup. Hey, guys, for this week, I'm going to take Firestarter over the Wolfman. God damn it, Lance. Fine. All right. Uh, sorry, Darian. I know you love those fuzzy nards, but a quick flame would singe Mr. Talbot to a crisp in no time. This one really isn't even fair. He wouldn't get within 20 feet of her. I disagree, but you are entitled to your opinion, Lance, so there's that. The team team's competition is really intriguing. Again, you guys put a battle together that would make one hell of a movie. At the end of the day, I agree that a lot of the Predator's heat-reading technology would prove useless, and the dolls would just keep coming and overpower them. Um, I agree with that. I don't know that they would actually overpower the Predators. I feel like what we have here are two elements that are trying to out-stealth each other. And since one of them has um, living, I don't know, I don't know what I'm, like living life reading technology 
while the other one is clearly not alive, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that one gets a little bit of an edge. So that for that reason, I, I'm going to agree with you, Lance, and go with the dolls. Thanks for the awesome show, week in and week out, and a very special shout-out to all the other wonderful shows you guys host on the network. Thank you very much, Lance. That's Lance from Texas. We actually have quite a few shows that we put out here on the Padded Room uh, Network. I hope you guys are tuning into all of them. Speaking of killer shows here on the Padded Room Network, here comes the host of Horror for Dummies, Mr. Tim from Sydney, Australia. Subject line, listen here. No, oh, look out. Tim's going to Tim's going to settle our hash here. <laughs> here he comes. Going to put us in our place. Good evening, fellow horror friends. How are we all this week? Okay, first I have to address a little something that has been talked about a lot lately and that's the decade of the 1970s. Now I get what you're saying. The latter years of the decade are better, but you're forgetting that 1974 and 1975 were the years that the two best horror films ever made came from. 1974 brought us the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is in some people's opinion the best horror film out there. But 1975 gave us Jaws, which is the best horror film ever made. Fact. He put that in caps. Fact. Uh, As if to put a period at the end of that sentence. Hey, fact. That is a fact. So no more poo-poo on the 70s. Let's shit all over the 90s instead. What did that give us besides like five good films? Okay, Teradome. I'm going to address that in two seconds, Tim. Okay, Teradome. For singles, I'm going with The Wolfman. I'm sorry, Alan, but I hated Firestarter. Um, I wasn't mad at it. It's just kind of weird. And teams, I'm taking the Predators. Fuck the Puppet Master dolls. You may have made a point about them being invisible on the Predators, but you, but your point of not holding weapons isn't the knife and blades arms attached. Yeah, but he's a fucking doll, Tim. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You can't, you know, he can't drop his knife and his hook, and Tunneler can't take his head off. But he at that. he's a doll you think the predators are going to take them seriously regardless your votes are locked in anyone enjoy your week much love tim all right tim um let's talk a little bit about the 70s now i okay (laughs) i i i am going to retract my statement i will not speak on behalf of miss monica but i will say that the 70s did suck uh, as far as movies go, up to a certain point. Now you brought you you made some good points. Nineteen seventy four, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nineteen seventy five, Jaws, are arguably some of the best horror films ever made. Uh, I believe up until nineteen ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre had the uh, like the world record for the highest grossing film independent film ever made up until the Blair Witch Project came along. Regardless, I feel like that was the turning point. And uh, I know I've said in previous podcasts that it was more along the lines of 78, 79. You had Halloween, Dawn of the Dead, some great horror shows coming along. But I feel like um, in in hindsight, um, those are great shows, but they are not, they, they don't speak for the majority of horror films made in the 70s. Um, the majority, I feel the majority of the horror films made in the seventies were goddamn asinine love stories like coma. God 
damn coma, you motherfucker. Let me tell you, I had some. Di- I had dinner with a couple of colleagues of mine the other day. Uh, Jim, who we all know from YouTube, attacks me, tells me that uh, my assessment of coma is wrong and that he loves it. He watches it once a year with his wife. I'm like, dude, are you insane? That is the most boring movie. Oh, God, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. All I can say is that culturally, we were in a different place in the early to mid-70s to where everything had to be a um, oh lofty love story. And every, even if you're making a horror movie, you had to have two people fall in love in the background. And it is you get 99% people falling in love in the background, 1% serial killer, and it's boring as shit. All right? I'm sorry. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, love it. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people that didn't, you know, aren't horror fans, watch it, and they're like, oh, this is garbage. Uh, Jaws, pretty close to a perfect movie. I'll give you that, Tim. Um, but, dude, I mean, if you're, you can't judge an entire decade or even an, a five-year span on those two movies. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, those are bad movies. I mean, those are good movies, but the rest are bad. Tim, I'm sorry. All right. I don't know. You're right. You're right. Those are both good movies. And, um, you know, th- those were probably the turning point when, when uh, horror started to go back to horror and away from uh, Alan Alda falling in love in a hotel with a chick he just met, for Christ's sakes. All right, here comes Sean right here in Reno, Nevada. Subject line, votes. Just votes real quick for singles. I'm going with the Wolfman, and for teams, I'm definitely going with the Puppets. All right, that's two more for the Puppets, two more for the Wolfman. Thank you very much, Sean. Your votes are locked in. And ready to go. Looks like we got a couple voicemails here, kiddos. I'm going to start you off with the um, prostate exam of people that call into the podcast. All the way from beautiful Alabama. Here comes Alan Cha-Cha. Padded room. What's up? What's it's up, the Alan? Black Sabbath of people Black that call Sabbath. into your podcast. I love it. Uh, I'll stay loyal. Like I said, you guys have been there when I was like having shit times and something to listen to and stuff. Well, thank I love the much. show. Thanks for doing it all these years. Thank you for being um, a part. Terradome picks. Give me Charlie, of I, course. I knew it. And I, I'm going to take the Puppet Master dolls. You made a compelling case for them. <laughs> well, all right. Anyway, I have no clue who Monica is. I hope you are doing good. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Alan. I'll be honest with you. I thought I knew who she was. And as is usually the case, I'm like, oh, I got you, bitch. And then as soon as we uh, wrap the show, I'm like, hey, you're this and this, right? And she's like, no, you prick. And that's exactly what happened last week. Um, I said, my guess was ABCs of death. The frying pan. um, What else? There was a couple other references. And I was like, well, this is clearly an anthology because none of these add up to anything. She She told me I was wrong. It is not the ABCs of death. So... Could be anything, really. I mean, that, that those clues cover a wide scope of different movies. Who the fuck knows? Uh, let's get over to uh, Salt Lake City with the paranormal ambassador of the Padded Room Podcasting Network. Here comes Troy. Ah, oh, shit. I don't know if these are in order or not. We'll start with this one. See where this goes. Hey-oh. Oh, it's Tom Hardy. Room. 
Tom. How is my favorite degenerate this week? What's going on, Tom Hardy? Everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's there. Uh, no. And hey, no. Uh, before we get into <laughs> uh, you know everything going on this week, uh, yeah, we got, quick, uh, quick notes. Uh, kind of behind here, and, okay. Uh, you know, wanted to get caught up with sure. you. Um, first off, you know, happy uh, belated birthday to uh, he who cha chas behind the rose. He does do that. And uh, next order of business, uh, you know, Darren, you were talking about, or I think Miss hmm. Monica was yes. critiquing your uh, German accent last <laughs> week. <laughs> she was. Now, I always thought, you know, your accents were spot on and that uh, well, you know, maybe German's maybe not I'm a my bit strong of a suit. I should get a second opinion here. Yeah. So I spoke with my uh, co-worker, you know, who is actually from Germany. Okay. And I asked him, hey, is this here uh, a guy doing a German accent? And he listened to it and gave me the strangest look. And he's like, no, no, that is not a guy doing a German accent. Uh, yeah. Which leads me to believe that he believed it to be a true German. Woo! And that was the person's real accent. So, I love again, it. Off on there, <laughs> Thank you very uh, much. That's sort of business, you know, um... As far as the uh, Terror Dome there. What do you think, man? Um, you'd made the argument that the Wolfman could take out uh, uh, Charlie, the fire starter I th- there. I think he could. Because her first instinct would be uh, to run. She's a child. The one thing I would argue, if I'm going with the fire starter on this one, and okay. let me tell you why. All right. The first instinct that they believe would be the panic. And okay. if you remember all your, like, psychic person flicks, you know, like, I don't know, Friday the 13th, Part 7, you know, when they have that moment of, like, huge stress, right? you know, they, they immediately lash out. And that's what I think she would do is uh, lash out against the Wolfman before that, I mean, that it's panic possible. of run instinct. And I, I would actually give that to her. I'll give you that. It and, is possible. Uh, the Predators and the Puppets. Now, everybody's all hung up on the Predators only, only having this heat-seeking vision. They have other vision as well, and they can hunt by sound. Yeah. Now, I'll give you, okay, so maybe the puppets have an initial advantage I over think the uh, predators uh, because they would be relying initially on their heat-seeking. However, I think that's all they if need. you think about it, what are the puppets really going to do to the predators? There's right, a number of things. Stick a toothpick in one? No. I don't even think it's going to break their armor. Oh, I mean, come on. They don't wear armor. Might, be able to significantly damage a they predator in, would be uh, Tom Hardy. Come on, maybe torch. You know, but again, Tor- that creates the tunneler? heat signature. Okay, uh, six shooter. You six know, shooter again, creating a heat signature. Um, By the time tunneler gets through, dude, dude the, it's all tunneler. All right, I know, I know where you're going with this. You got GP'd, uh, Tom Hardy. I apologize for that, and I apologize for calling you Troy. Although that's not a uh, insult. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, the well, you know, there's little toothpicks and hooks and stuff. The Predators don't wear armor. They wear, like, weird goth fishnet stuff, and they have, like, one shoulder pad, which makes them look like road warriors in a weird way. Um, I don't know, man. I think you might uh, be a little mistaken. You called back. Uh, let's see if you're going to continue with this line of defense for the um, – the Predators. I think you may be a little off-kilter here, Tom Hardy. Let's see what else he has to say. Hell yeah. Oh. Jay motherfucking P. Woo! Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so if Tunneler tries to, like, 
burrow into one of these guys, I'm sure the predator's going to look down and step on it. Like, like He's not going to see I, him, though. So I don't think uh, I don't think the puppets uh, really do stand a chance. Okay. And um, while we're on the subject of the Terror Dome, yes, sir. Just a quick note uh, hmm. for all the other inmates. You know, when, when we're doing our voting, yes, you know, we vote for who we pick. Right. Sometimes we vote for who we think would actually win. Right. And sometimes we got to vote just to make it more difficult on Darian. Well, thanks a lot, and I really Dick. felt like uh, <laughs> we as the inmates let ourselves down in trying to create additional storylines for the Tremors versus the Predators or the Tremors versus, uh, I don't know, Wolf Pack or something. I kind of felt like we let ourselves down and make it a little too easy God there on Mr. It. Brock. <laughs> um, one last thing. Yes, I know sir. I'm droning on here. No, but, uh, no, no, no. On the what are you looking at department. Yeah, what do you got, man? I actually caught two flicks. What do you got? Um, deadly detention and uh, most likely to die. Okay. And as I like... told you before, I pick a lot of my flicks based on runtime, just because, you know, limited amount of time and what have you. And I know that's not a good way to... Dude, I get you know, it. I get judge that. Judge the flick's going to be good or if you should or shouldn't. No, I, it, I, I totally understand I went that. With here now. In my opinion, stay away from deadly detention. This is a this is a bad flick. You know, I'm uh, a little about me. I'm a bit of a John Hughes fan. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm a sucker for those like high school flicks. You know, where you're stuck and you know, kind of like a Nightmare on Elm Street three. You know, the young people that uh, having their movement controlled by. So I'm, I'm a sucker for that. But I gotta still tell you, this was a bad, bad flick. That bad. Huh? Um. Kills are piss poor. Oh. Uh, motivation. Uh, the killer oh. itself. Yeah. All right. Now, the next one, most likely to die, I do recommend it if y'all haven't seen it yet. First thing about it, um, the killer, yeah, a little silly, you know, mask and what have you. I don't want to give too much away. Okay. But the opening credits are actually really impressive. It's been a long time <laughs> since I saw, like, an opening <laughs> credit scene okay. that uh, kind of got me excited for the flick. I don't know and, if that's a uh, selling point, oh, sir. Oh, one last thing. Okay. Miss Monica, if you do check this flick out, she's not here, the but I'll tell main her. girl, I think her name's Gabby in the movie or some shit, Okay. I want you to take a look at her when you first see her. Weird so eyebrow. Look at her eyes. Oh, no. I, was, I don't know if I've been listening lazy to too long, but I'm like, man, there's something fucked up about this chick. She's got a lazy eye. what the fuck it is. I haven't seen her. But I was just sitting there looking at it like, God damn it, I've been listening to the padded room Dude, thing. Miss Monica's yeah. all up in my head now. She's fucking with your head, man. GP'd again, son of a bitch. God damn it, Tom Hardy, I love you. Uh, dude, don't don't get caught in Miss Monica's modality, okay? Not everybody's perfect, and not all actors and actresses are perfect. And just because you don't look perfect doesn't mean you can't give a good performance, all right? Case in point, Hereditary. My opinion, pretty good show. Her opinion, dog shit. Why, you ask? Because there's a weird-looking little girl and the, the son had bushy eyebrows. If that's the only thing you're basing your opinion on, then go fuck yourself. All right. You know I love her. She knows I love her. Forget about it. Tom Hardy did call back, thank God, with a double GPing. Let's see what he has to say for the third round. That's dedication, man. He's not giving up. Whoa. Okay. A double J motherfucking P. I love it. I don't know if I should be proud or ashamed. No. Hey, that's right, a badge of honor, wrap sir. This up, guys. Um, Quick note on that deadly detention. Yes, sir. Um, 
the you know it has all the archetype characters you know the chalk the Jock, blood, stoner, the, the brainiac and all that right and same with um the most likely to die by the way the slut character always and my favorite deadly detention might be worth watching the whole damn flip for okay even she doesn't get negative that shit is hot okay anyhow now you're talking about noticing is that they're kind of changing up and this i think this is like this modern horror kind of thing they're kind of changing up the archetypes like uh and one you know and uh most likely to die the slut character is a lesbian Woo! and uh, like that in the um the deadly detention, they're kind of changing up the archetype where they have uh, gay male black as kind of the outsider outcast. Okay, I'm, I'm into that too. I'm like, fuck, man. These, these archetypes are perfectly laid out. We really don't need to be jumping around and creep. Then I was like, you know what? This is 2019, and this is kind of exactly where right. the uh, inclusion is kind of happening. But the problem is, to me, it throws it off so much that they try to introduce this. Yeah. And it's like they're trying to hit you with it rather than let it become out organically. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking these flips. I mean, these are, you know, quick, you know, 85-minute movies, right. three-minute movies, and just take them for what they are. Anyway, I know I've droned on long enough. No. My apologies. Thanks for letting me get it out. Call me again. Uh, love you, like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Let's address that for a second, if we could. So the archetypical slasher victims, you got your stoner, your slut, your brainiac, your jock, usually a virginal cheerleader in there. Now, I get what they're doing, Tom Hardy. They're trying to add, they're trying to update the archetypes and give a little more character depth to these clowns. Um, all right, so what do you got? You got a, a gay black kid, and he's now the outsider, and then you got the uh, class slut. She's now a lesbian. That's all well and good. Um but the problem, the problem with that, I've, in my humble opinion, is that these kids, you have to remember, are cannon fodder. Okay, they are about to be thrown into a meat grinder. We, I don't feel like we need to get to know these kids on a personal level. Maybe our uh, survivor girl, we probably want to get to know her a little bit better. We can give her a little more depth. Um, other than that, why don't we just stick to the form? I mean, we don't need to stick to the formula. We can break, we can break new ground. We can make the, the jock gay, or we can make the, uh, I don't know, uh, the token black guy. He can be the survivor guy instead of, or he can be the survivor girl or I don't know, man, whatever you want to do. But I don't, I mean, in, in your typical slasher movie, these kids are there specifically for the purpose to die. So... I don't know, man. Do we really need to get to know these kids on that level? Do we need to connect with them? We know where we're going. Anybody, any horror fan that's watching this movie knows where we're going. These kids are uh, they're feeder fish, and they're just there to get swallowed by the bigger fish, and we're all going to cheer when they do. We're going to like a few of them. We're going to not like a few of them. I like to think that that's not based solely on their sexual proclivities, but at the same time, Maybe these maybe these archetypes do need a little update. You know, we can we can make a, a a jock the gay guy. It's not a big deal. We can also make the slut a lesbian. Not a big deal. Um, however, when I I mean I've I've not seen either one of those movies, so I don't know how in your face they were with it. I don't think we need the focal point of the movie to be the diversity of the victims. I think 
in in the case of the slasher and the slasher formula, we focus on our survivor girl, her relationship to the killer. Everybody else is in a firing line. And ready, aim, mow them all down, you big hockey mask-wearing motherfucker. That's what you're there for. <laughs> Why, better yet, let's let's... If we're going to mess with the formula, why don't we get the killer involved? I would love to see a gay slasher or a a big bulky female slasher that is actually scary. We've seen a few come and go. Uh, They never seem to work. One that is actually not that bad that is worth checking out is a show called Blood Widow. Low budget is shit. Uh, Tell you right now. But the female slasher is pretty dope. Uh, there have been a few others that have come and gone over the years. Nothing really worth talking about, I don't think. All right, you sons of bitches, that is it for the listener mail. Thank you very much to Tom Hardy, Alan Cha-Cha, Tim, uh, Sean, and Lance. You guys are gentlemen among thieves, or princes among thieves, I think is the, the phraseology that I was looking for. I am going to go live on the Padded Room podcast inmate recreational area right now. What's up, Billy? I just found the school bus about a hundred yards from the ghoul place. Motor's still running. No Fred, no kids. Is your brother home from school yet? Paul? No, he isn't home yet. Cut it out. What's the matter with you, Paul? Stop it. I said to stop it. (gasps) (gasps) Mommy. Ellen. Don't touch him. What the hell happened to him? Let's go. I want to get Dr. Gould up here right now. Wait a minute, Bill. How the hell could that have happened to him? That's right, inmates. We're talking about the children from 1980, mind you. Uh, this is not the 2011 pseudo-remake. I don't know if that was a remake or not, but uh, this one is directed by Max Kalmanowskowitz, written by um, Colton J. Albright, and stars Martin Shakar, Gil Rogers, and Gail Garnett. This one got 5.5 stars on IMDb. Now, I could have swore that this was a made-for-TV movie. Turns out that's not the case. And I can tell you that for a fact because we do actually get to see some nudity in this one. Um, This is the first horror movie that I recall watching. I don't remember being scared by it. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the, the villains were actually children around about my age when the movie came out. 
uh, it's a very strange movie. We're gonna we're gonna jump right in here. So we're in a small town. I'm gonna put us probably Pennsylvania, Virginia area, somewhere like that. And uh, we've got a chemical plant. It's supposed to be a nuclear power plant, but it doesn't have the big the big hourglass cones with that we know and love from the the nuclear power plants. Uh, this one just has like a bunch of silos and stuff. Uh, we got some blue collar dudes hanging around the the chemical plant, and they're running around trying to find the reason for the low pressure valve. Is is the thing? So, uh, being the the white the blue collar dudes that they are, eventually they're like, ah, you know what? We can't find it. We're gonna go have a beer. Blah, forget the whole thing. So they take off as soon as they leave. This weird orange cloud of, uh, I guess, it, remi- it reminded, like, somebody took a handful of Tang. You remember Tang? Tang was the shit around about eighth grade. Uh, you t- t- took a, it was like an orange sports drink mix. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it these days, but it's just sh- orange sugar is pretty much what it was. But it's like somebody took a handful of it and threw it out in the air and poof orange like an orange cloud it starts coming out of one of these uh silos so what they're telling us is that they have some kind of a chemical leak okay all right i got you now normally i would say well we're going to trauma town this is clearly toxic orange drink you're exactly right troy they had a big ad campaign running though uh early 90s where it was like the drink of the astronauts like, that's what astronauts drank when they were in space was Tang. So you got to get yourself some Tang if you want to be like the astronauts. It, it it wasn't that good. And if you mixed it with water, it was chalky and disgusting. And um, I don't know, man. It, it was never that great. It was bad. It was bad business. But whatever. Uh, so you had like uh, this orange cloud comes out of this chemical plant, right? Now we're going to cut to about uh, a mile or two away. We have the small town of raven's back (laughs) raven's back uh all right i don't know where we're going with this but all right so uh the the orange cloud travels to raven's back and we have a group of uh school children on their way home from school school bus going right through the orange cloud okay uh school but they're all happy singing until they get through the orange cloud then you hear them coughing and then that's that's it from there we're going to cut to the sheriff's deputy, guy by the name of Harry. Um, I don't know, uh, probably a couple miles away. He's hitting on the farmer's daughter, as he should be. He's a handsome 22-year-old stud. She's probably days past 18. Nice body on her. Her name's Susie, by the way. And uh, he's he's telling her what's up. And I think they've probably already had sex. Not that it matters, but... Just judging by the amount of groping going on, they probably at one point or another actually did fuck. And I hope that they did, by the way. So from there, uh, you know, um, everything's cool. Uh, the actual sheriff rolls by and he's like, hey, man, wh- how long you been standing? And he's like, hey, sheriff, I'm just here talking to Susie. Make sure everything's OK. Sheriff rolls on out um, from there. The, the, the actual sheriff, not Harry, the 22 year old horny deputy. But the actual sheriff rolls down the road, comes across the uh, school bus. Now, the school bus at this point has been completely abandoned. No bus driver, no kids, nada. So the sheriff is like, well, this is fucking weird. Harry the bu- or, uh, Henry the bus driver would never just abandon shop like this. So he gets out and he starts poking around the school bus. The orange cloud is gone, mind you. 
uh, goes inside the school bus. All the kids have left all of their school shit there. It's just there. You got like the books and the, you know, the comic books and the crayons and the lunch boxes. It's all just hanging as if they all just got up and left. All right. That's a little creepy. That's a little creepy. I don't know what these kids are up to. Why they just leaving their shit like that. I have no idea. So, uh, the sheriff starts poking around. Eventually he's like, dude, I, uh, I don't know about this shit. So he's thinking about, now this is a small town, right? So he's like, okay, these are the school kids. Um, the next stop for this bus line would be the Gould place where, uh, Jeffy Gould, who lives right up the road here would get off and meet his mother. So he's like, okay, let me go see if maybe they ran into car trouble. Maybe he just walked from here. I'm going to go on up the road here and see what I can find out at the Gould place. Now, small town, okay, uh, 1980, probably this movie was made more like 78, but came out in 1980. Well, we got some weird shit going on in Raven's Back, and it starts right here at the Gould residence. Uh, Dr. Gould, who uh, is... I guess the owner of this house and the property is a young lady. Um, I'm going to put her probably mid thirties. She's a doctor and she's a bit of a see you next Tuesday. If you understand what I'm telling you. So the sheriff rolls up instead of going to the front door, he just goes around the back where the swimming pool is. We see Dr. Gould hanging out there. She's in a bikini, pretty attractive, uh, blonde, you know, nice body on her. Uh, the sheriff rolls up. He's like, hey, man, uh, did Jeffy make it home from school? And she's like, you know what? I don't think that's any of your business. Now, this is where things get weird in the town of Ravensback, especially here at the Dr. Gould residence. Um, I don't know what's going on here. And I don't know uh, what kind of doctor Dr. Gould is. But Apparently, Jeffy, who is the the child that should have showed up at this house, is not actually Dr. Gould's son. Jeffy is the son of Miss Buttons, who is in residence at the the Gould house. I don't know how this works, but uh, the sheriff rolls up and he's like, hey, can I speak to Miss Buttons? I need to know if Jeffy shows up. Uh, Dr. Gould pops up from her... um, uh, uh, pool chair, and she's like, you know what? I'll go talk to Miss Buttons. You don't come near her, dude. Seriously, let's just let's just all chill out here for a second, okay? So the sheriff's like, uh, okay, follows her around to the to the back of the house, where uh, Doctor Gould like runs into the back of the house, slams the sliding glass door on the sheriff's face, like you're not getting in here. She's very sick, and she doesn't need to talk to anybody right now. Now let's talk about Miss Buttons. This is where things get even weirder. Miss Buttons, uh, there in the house playing the piano in a very catatonic, confused state. Like she's like, um, Dr. Gould rolls in and she's like, Hey, Hey Nancy, uh, sheriff's here to talk to you about Jeffy. Has Jeffy showed up? And she's like, Jeffy. Oh, yeah, I don't know, Jeffy. And then she's like, you know what? You're under a lot of stress. I'm going to give you some more Percocet, and you need better go lie down. Okay, this is weird. This is weird. I don't know what the fuck's going on here, but it strikes me as like a weird, like Dr. Gould is keeping Ms. Buttons um, doped up, at like some kind of a human trafficking 
sex slave type of a deal. I don't know, man. It's weird. I don't, I don't understand it. If, if they're in a lesbian relationship, I get that. That makes sense. Um, but what's going on here is like borderline rapey. And how does this kid come into play? I don't know. Eventually, um, Dr. uh, The sheriff is like, Oh, I'm just going to wait outside. Then Dr. Gould is like, you know, she runs inside, puts some clothes on, comes out. She's like, you know what? Miss Buttons needs some rest. So she's just going to go upstairs and rest. She said she hadn't seen Jeffy. And the sheriff's like, oh, fuck. Okay. All right. I guess I'll just keep looking then. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to have a look for myself because I don't think I fucking trust you. So she runs inside, puts some jeans on and, some sh- and a shirt, goes back outside, follows the sheriff to the school bus. All right. I don't know what the hell... The, the the bus is abandoned. I don't know what a doctor is going to do in this situation, but as if the sheriff somehow missed something, uh, the the Dr. Gould follows the sheriff back to the school bus. They both have a poking around. Now, it's important to note at this point that when the school bus was abandoned, it was right next to a cemetery. So that's pretty cool. I like that part. Looked a lot like the cemetery from the Blair Witch Project, but was not, in fact, that cemetery. So um, they poke around, they get a bunch of stuff. Uh, they, you know, oh, kids aren't here. It's not like Harry to just leave the school bus running like this. So Dr. Gould grabs all of Jeffy's stuff and she's like, I got Jeffy's stuff right here. He's clearly not here. What the hell's going on? And the sheriff's like, yeah, I know he's not here. There's nobody here. I'm trying to figure it out. So um, the sheriff is like, you know what? I'm going to go see where the other kids went. I'm going to go check their houses, see if any of them made it home. Uh, Dr. Gould's like, well, just fine. Just go ahead then. This is a hot 35-year-old uh, blonde with a nice body on her. Mind you that as we move forward. All right, so um, he takes off, and uh, she's there at the school bus. Now, as she's getting ready to leave, she looks up at the cemetery right across the road there, and she sees like some of the kids like going in and out of the tombstones and stuff. She thinks she spots Jeffy. So she's like, Jeffy! Get your ass over here. She goes running over to the cemetery, starts trying to find Jeffy. He's weaving in and out of the tombstones like a little prick. Uh, She's chasing him around. Eventually, she gets him, and she finds Jeffy, and she's like, Jeffy, what's going on with the school bus? Now, let's talk about Jeffy here for a minute, kids. This is where the weirdness and the uh, ridiculousness actually kicks in, because, oh... I don't know if we're going zombie or possessed or some kind of a chemical mutation, perhaps. I don't know. I, I, I lean towards zombie. But uh, with the use of motor skills and auto- vocalization still. So uh, she eventually she grabs Jeffy. She's like, Jeffy, what the fuck's going on? Jeffy's now in this weird catatonic zombie state where he's like, Mama, mama, uh. eyes are all sunken in. He's pale. Now, <laughs> how? Yeah, I know what you're thinking at this point. You're thinking, Darian, how do we know he's a zombie? Black fingernails. Okay, that's how we know. Have you ever seen a zombie with black fingernails in your life? Um, other than no, no, we have not. We I don't think we've ever actually looked at the fingernails of a zombie. Or taking the time to actually give a shit. But in this case, that's how we know the good kids from the bad kids. Because the bad kids all of a sudden have black fingernails. So here comes Jeffy around the tombstone. She's like, Jeffy, get over here. He gives her a hug. 
She then explodes into a cloud of weird orange uh, mist and her face melts completely off. Okay, so that's 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 what we're doing. He doesn't eat her, mind you. He doesn't bite her. He doesn't uh, assault her in any way. Just gives her a hug. Orange mist, face melt, done. That's 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 what we're doing. So these kids are fucking assholes is what it boils down to. Now, let's move right along. So we have the sheriff. He's going basically door to door trying to figure out if any of the kids from the bus made it home. Next stop the uh, Shore residents. Now let's talk a little bit about the Shores of Ravenback, Pennsylvania, or wherever the fuck we're at. Uh, this is your um, rich playboy-style couple, I guess you'd call them. You can tell that they're rich because they have a swimming pool, just like uh, Dr. Gould. But when, now that I think about it, it's probably the same house. Regardless, uh, the sheriff comes around back. Uh <laughs> So we have the Shores, um, Dee Dee and uh, Thomas. Thomas is well-oiled in a whitey-tidy doing bicep curls by the pool as the sheriff rolls up. Dee Dee, the uh, wife, is completely naked and hanging by the pool smoking weed. Uh, Sheriff rolls up. He's like, hey, has Janet's the kid. Hey, has Janet... Janet make it home from school and uh they're like yeah of course she did and they're like oh can I see her well she's probably skulking in the house she's always skulking in the house they're high as fucking kites and then he's like did you actually see Janet come home from school they're like no but it's uh 3:30 I'm sure she's up there so so she didn't make it home from school then you fucking assholes and then just to nail the point home he takes their big uh mason jar of weed and throws it in the pool I like that these guys were turds. So he's like, okay, that's another missing kid that we have here in Raven's back. Uh, maybe I'm going to look into this a little bit further. As he should. Now, about this time, we get to know the town of Raven's back a little bit better. We have like a general store type of a situation who's run by, run by an older lady named Molly. So Molly is the town gossip. As, you know, you would expect her to be. He rolls up to the general store as two other guys, Hank and Frank, are trying to sell Molly uh, what I'm going to assume are dead chickens. And I think they were illegally poached or something like that because as soon as the sheriff walks in, they immediately try to hide the chickens. I don't know what's going on with these chickens. I'm not even sure that they were chickens. I don't know anything about poultry or livestock or anything. So I'm just going to put that out there. Regardless, he's like, Molly, uh, do you know anything about missing kids? Because we got a couple missing kids. And uh, Harry, who is apparently Molly's uh, husband, the bus driver, has completely abandoned his bus. And we can't find any of the kids. What's going on? So she's like, ah, you know, Sheriff, I don't know. She's got a CB radio that she, I guess she spreads gossip throughout the town via the CB radio. Nobody in this town has cable television, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, but this they're hard up for entertainment. That being said, the sheriff's like, you know what, man? Uh, I'm going to keep looking for missing kids. As they're having this conversation, another dude rolls into the general store, a guy by the name of John, and uh, he's like, hey, Molly, I need another can of ether. My, I'm having car problems. So John is actually the father of one of the kids that was on the school bus. So the sheriff's like, hey, Johnny, uh, did, uh, Lisa make it home today? And he's like, 
well, I got two kids, Lisa and Clark. Clark stayed home sick today. He's got the, the cold. And Lisa went to school. I don't know if she's home. My car's broke down out here. So he's like, all right. Sheriff's like, all right, man. Tell you what, uh, we need to try to track down these kids because I don't know what the fuck is going on here. So let's get your car running and then we'll get you moving and we'll see if Lisa made it home. I want to know if any of these fucking kids made it home, which is a good question to ask about this time. Uh, he's like, yeah, okay. So they go out there, uh, they get the car running. He's got like a muscle car. Um, they get it going back towards John's house. Now halfway there, John's car breaks down again. Sheriff shows up and he's like, dude, he's right behind him. He's like, come on, what fucking car? What are you doing? So he's like, Oh, you know, I don't know about this time. We see now this is a, a heavily wooded area. And about this time we see a bunch of the kids like hanging out in the woods Sheriff and John don't see the kids. One of the kids we're going to recognize as John's daughter, Lisa, who's missing. He's like, I don't know, man, the fucking kids, I don't know. So about this time, the sheriff starts to panic. He's like, dude, I think we may have some kind of a human trafficking abduction type of a thing going on. I don't like any of this shit. So he gets on the radio to Harry, his deputy, and he's like, dude, Go to the interstate, set up a roadblock. Nobody gets in or out of Ravens back without you looking in their cars. I want to find these fucking kids. As he should. Solid, solid plan. So Harry, you, who you'll recall, is still trying to make out with Susie, the hot farmer's daughter, farmer's daughter is like, oh, God damn it. Well, all right, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So by the interstate, it's really like a dirt road turnoff, and he sets up a couple of saw horses and he's like, all right, nobody gets in or out of here. Uh, Susie goes with him, and they make out at said road, roadblock in front of Hank and Frank, who I guess are the town lynch mob all of a sudden. Why not? It's Raven's back. It's uh, got a population of 23 for all I fucking know. Um, so that's cool. They got kind of got the town locked down. Now, that's pretty gnarly. About this time, we're going to cut back to the sheriff, who is trying to get John back home to his wife. Actually gets John back home to his wife. Uh, now, his wife. Let's talk about John's wife, Kathy. Uh, I was really hoping to watch her die, because she is not a good person. Uh, she's played by Gail Garnett, who has the voice of a chain-smoking truck driver. And um, she's about nine months pregnant. She's got the full distended belly. And she's like, you know what, John? I'm just gonna. Uh, Lisa hasn't made it home from school yet. She was supposed to come get her portrait painted by me because I'm very artistic. And Joan's like, I oh, know, sweetie. I'm sorry. We're trying to find out where she is right now. Is Clarky okay? Now Clark is the kid that stayed home from school that day because he is sick. So he's like, oh, I don't know. Clarky's upstairs. He's resting right now. He's very sick, <sighs> smoking cigarettes while she's nine months pregnant. She's a human piece of shit as far as I'm concerned. All right, moving right along. Uh, they're like, okay, well, keep an eye on Clarky. We're going to go try to find the rest of these kids. So the sheriff takes off, and he goes to a couple of the other parents' house, try to find out if their kids made it home. More or less, none of the kids made it home is what I'm getting at. And that sucks because they're all missing, and uh, things are getting pretty gnarly. So now we're going to cut back to our roadblock. Uh, Harry, the deputy is there and he's still trying to make out with, uh, Susie. And eventually she's like, you know what, Harry, I'm leaving. Just forget it. So she gets on her little, uh, 10 speed and takes off. 
Now, about this part, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the whole movie. A guy by the name of Sanford Butler Jones rolls up. Now, it's not overtly stated, but I'm going to come, in out, come, come right out and say it. Sanford Butler Jones is the drug dealer of the, um, the Shores. Uh, he rolls up in a Cadillac with, like, the power windows, which is a big deal in 1980. And uh, he rolls up to the roadblock, and he's got, like, the pimp hat and white guy mustache. He looks like, a, he looks like he's probably Jewish. But um, rolls up and rolls down his window. He's got power windows. So he's very impressed with these power windows. So he rolls up. Harry, the deputy, is like, hey, man, uh, I don't know you. I'm not going to let you into Raven's back. we got a lot of problems right now. I'm sorry, but just moving all along. Window comes down. He pops his head out. Clearly, you don't know who I am. Window goes up. This guy loves himself some power windows. Sheriff's like talking to the driver. He's like, what the fuck is this guy? No, I don't know who you are, and I'm not letting you in here. Window comes down. My name is Sanford Butler Jones. I'm a friend of the Shores. Just give them a call, and I'll uh, they'll sort the whole thing out. Window goes up. Now, mind you, this is a 1980s vehicle. So each time the window goes up and down, that's like a 15 to 30 second situation. So... <laughs> So, uh, Sheriff is like, well, I don't have the Shore's phone number, and I'm not going to call him. I have my radio, and that's all I got. So, here comes the window. You know what? I'm Sanford Butler Jones. I've got a car phone right here, complete with the cord that is plugged into something. I'll call the Shore's right now. She'll sort this whole thing out. Starts talking to Dee Dee Shore. Dee Dee, yes, here's the Sheriff. Hands him the car phone. And then the sheriff or uh, the deputy talks to Didi, and eventually they let Sanford Butler Jones in. Now, the the only reason I bring this up is because he's probably the most likable character in the entire movie. And as Susie is tearing down the road on her ten speed with a basket full of apples, uh, he almost runs her over. Not necessarily Sanford Butler Jones's fault, but his driver, because he does have a driver, because he's that big of a deal. Where's the lovely Miss Monica? She's at the DMV, Nez, or at least that is her excuse for the evening. Hey, Feeney's in the house. What's up, Jessica Feeney? Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast, which you can find right here on the Padded Room Podcasting Network. Thank you very much, Miss Feeney, for joining me tonight. Regardless, we are talking about the children from 1980. Now, about this time, Susie has a delivery to make, and we didn't know about this until right now. She has got to get herself to another house to drop off the apples that she has in her little... Uh, yes, I am by myself, Feeney, and I am sorry if you were hoping to see Monica and or Buddy because they chose not to show up, as usual. It's fine. I can do this by myself. I'm used to it. Uh, she gets to the house. She's, like, knocking on the door. There's nobody there. The door creaks open. Now, let's talk about a horror trope real quick. If you get to a house that you're supposed to be at and you knock on the door and the door creaks open, don't fucking go in there. Why would you go in there? You're not going to find anything good, I can tell you right now. But, of course, Susie walks right in looking to deliver some apples, do her fucking job, which I like very much, 
And uh, you should have called me ass. Well, I'm sorry, Feeney. I, you're right. I should have. But as usual, Monica and Buddy give me about 15 minutes notice before they tell me that they're not showing up. And that's exactly what happened. So, sorry. Anyway, uh, dude, I'm talking about The Children from 1980. You've not, you probably haven't seen it. It's bad. And uh, if I brought you in for this movie, you'd probably punch me in the dick, as you should, regardless. Uh, she gets in there. She starts creeping. It's a creepy old house. It's like a farmhouse. Starts creeping around. Hey, Mrs. Carter, I have your apples. There's nobody there. Uh, eventually, she spooks herself, drops the apples, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to get the fuck out of here because this place is creepy as shit. So she goes back outside, hops on her 10-speed, and that's when the Carter's kid rolls up. Little guy by the name of Polly. He's probably about 10 or 12 years old. Uh, again, he shows up with his black fingernails and he's like, mama, ah. and he's, she's like, get away from me, Polly. You're acting weird. And he's like, mama, mama. She slaps him a few times. Mama, get away from me. Polly. Eventually he gives her the orange cloud death hug and she gets melted all the way. She was scantily clad at this point. She, I think she was wearing like a wife beater, which is okay. And she gets uh face and body melted all the way down it's bad. It's bad business, and that sucks. I so I was really hoping to see her naked, and that is clearly not happening. If I have, I have forgotten it. As you should, Feeney, this is not a good show. This is actually the first horror movie that I remember watching. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> so that's pretty gnarly. Uh, right about now, the sheriff is on, like on high alert. We got a we got a bus full of missing kids. Um, now we have these weird melted bodies showing up all over the place. Things are getting weird. Uh, he's like, you know what? This is this is too much. I got to get some backup. So he goes and picks up the uh, the John guy, the the father, the one that's married to the nine months pregnant chain smoker. And he's like, dude, uh, I can't get a hold of anybody. I don't know what's going on. Let's go ahead and get the fuck out of here. Let's go find these kids, shall we? Because I think they've been abducted. Okay, excellent. Now the sun is setting. It's nighttime. And Harry, the sheriff's deputy, is still manning the uh, uh, roadblock. He's like, all right, well, he's got Frank and Hank, the two town drunks there. He wants to go back to the farmer's daughter's house, Susie's house, whom he does not know has been melted. And he's like, I'm going to go pay Susie a visit because I'm going to put a fucking dick on her. So he takes off. He leaves Frank and Hank, the drunks, in charge of the roadblock. So he gets moseying on down the road, and in the high beams, he spots three of the kids. And he's like, hey, I found the kids. Hey, we can all go to bed now. So he rolls up on them, and he's like, hey, kids, come get in the car. There's three of them. They're like shoulder to shoulder in the middle of the road. He's like, all right, come on in here. Get in the car. And then they do the, ah. Mama, mama. They got black. They got the black fingernails of death, which means we're all in trouble. And their teeth are bad. All of a sudden, mama. Harry gets melted. All right, that sucks. He gets the the orange cloud death kiss hug. Gets his face melted clean off. Now we don't have a sheriff's deputy either. We're in big fucking trouble here in Ravensback, motherfuckers. We got a lot of problems. So, um. From there, we cut back to the sheriff. He's like, Harry, where are you? Harry, come in here. Uh, he just got word from Molly that Harry found the kids and where what his last location was. So Harry and, or uh, the sheriff and John go rolling up there, find Harry's dead body, and they're like, this guy's fucking melted. Jesus Christ. 
All right. This well, we got to do something about this. I'm going to go get Dr. Gould, not knowing that she's been melted also, and have her look at this guy. So the sheriff leaves John there with the half-assed melted body of his deputy, goes hauling ass to Dr. Gould's place, finds out that she, along with the weird sex slave, Miss Buttons, have also been melted. Half the goddamn town is melted all of a sudden, and we can't figure out why. So he's like, oh, we got a lot of fucking problems here, dude. So he... uh Goes back, picks up John, who is still hanging at the body. He's now being chased around by the kids at the body of the uh, deputy. Grabs him. He gets out of there unscathed, luckily. Gets Molly, the town gossip on the CB radio. He's like, dude, fucking people are getting melted. I still don't know where the kids are. Sheriff's uh, deputy, Harry, uh, Harry, said he had them. Now they're not here. I don't, something is running around melting people, and I, I can't figure it out. So Molly's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going on either. So Molly is, uh, let's talk about Molly here for a second. Town gossip, CB radio, talking shit about everybody. I understand that. She's like 95 years old. But this general store of hers is very interesting. A lot of alcohol, a lot of booze. You can see it all over the backdrop. She also has a wide arrangement of uh, like shotguns, shells. Um, I thought I saw some body armor back there. I think Molly may be running her own militia, like out of the back of the Ravens, Ravens back uh, general store, which is very strange, considering the, the town has all of 23 people on it. So they get Molly on the phone. They're like, hey, Molly, hey, uh, so I don't know, man. Uh, people are getting melted. There's some weird shit. Just don't let anybody in there. We're going to come see you in a few minutes. So she's like, okay, great. Uh, as soon as she gets off the radio, the kids circle and circle molly's general store and they start like chanting molly come out to play they don't they're not doing the warriors thing but like molly and she's like oh my god it's the children oh thank god scarlet's in the house what's up scarlet she's like oh my god it's the children. so she's a sweet old lady and she's like oh i'm gonna go out there and say hi to the children she goes out there uh she's armed but she's dealing with kids right so she's like Oh, it's the children. Give me a She gets the orange death cloud also. Melts her fucking face completely off. It's disgusting. She was an old lady to begin with. Now she's like an old lady puddle on the ground. Ooh, think about that. It's gross. Uh, while they're on the they're on the, the blower with her, she's they basically hear her get puddled, which is disgusting. Um, about this time, they're like, dude, I don't know how many people are left in this town. It's clearly the kids are the source of the problem. They're running around melting people with their weird orange tang death cloud face melting operation. So John starts to panic. He's like, Sheriff, dude, my wife is home alone. Uh, my son is sick. My daughter is probably out melting people. Let's 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 go back to my house, please. And then we will uh, just make sure they're OK. And then we can, you know, check out the rest of the town later. I'm covered in stage blood and should really take a shower, but I want to watch you do all these voices first. Go take a shower, Scarlet. It sounds nasty. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, they're like, okay, let's go back to your place. So they haul ass back to John's place to make sure his wife and uh, kid are okay. Get there. The wife is fine. She's still smoking. She's still nine months pregnant. This point, this really pissed me off because at one point she lights up a cigarette, 
rubs her nine-month pregnant belly and is like, Sorry. As if to say, I know smoking is bad for you, unborn baby, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm a shit human being. And that's exactly what she is. We're going to get into that even more here in a second. So, uh, John and the sheriff roll up. They're like, dude, kids are out there. I think Lisa, our daughter, is part of the fucking problem. Being covered in stage blood is fun. Uh, Alan used to be part of a pain circus, so he's been covered in his own blood. I've seen it live. It's uh, disturbing. He was a human dartboard at one point. That's neither here nor there. Back to the children. Um, So they get there, and now we have like a siege narrative in place because we have uh, nine-month pregnant uh, Kathy. That's John's wife, who nobody likes. We have John, and we have the sheriff, and they're trying to hold down the fort and protect the nine-year-old sick kid, Clarky, who is there, Clark, Clarky, who is there from the other kids getting in and, you know, doing what they do, putting the orange tang death cloud on him, too. So uh, it's pretty cool. First, we got, like, you know, the sheriff and uh, John are like running around with shotguns and they're shooting at the kids as they pop out of the trees. That's pretty cool. At one point, however, uh, Kathy has like a freak out moment and she's like, they're children. They're just children. You can't shoot children. She's a fucking chain smoking uh, truck driver who's nine months pregnant. And she's a pretty disgusting human being. She's, she spends the entirety of the movie wearing one of those moo-moo Thing, I don't know what you call those things. I've I've always heard them referred to as moomoos. Those full body shower curtain uh, things. I don't know what the morbidly obese people wear them. Specifically, ladies. I think they're supposed to look like dresses. They look more like circus tents, if you ask me. Regardless, that's what she's wearing while she's smoking cigarettes. While she's nine months pregnant, she's a terrible human being. And to to nail that point home, while the sheriff is trying to sh- you know fend off the, the the homicidal mutant radiation kids, she sneaks up behind him and knocks him out with a uh, vase, vase, vase or vase. And she's like, you can't show that children. He's trying to save your fucking ass, bitch. All right? How about you show a little gratitude and not knock him out with uh, potted plants? Regardless, uh... John rolls up and he's like, dude, what are you doing? You just knocked out the sheriff. And she's like, he's shooting at children. I know he's shooting at children. They're trying to get in here and kill us, by the way. So (laughs) at this point, uh, Kathy is looking down at the kids running around throughout the woods. And she's like, there's my daughter, Lisa. I'm going to go help her. Lisa is one of these mutated freaks with the black fingernails, if you're not paying attention. Uh, so she goes running down there. She opens the door and she's like, Lisa, give me a hug. John's like, no, you don't give her a hug. She's going to put the orange death cloud on you. So at the last second, he grabs Kathy and pulls her away. But then Lisa grabs John's hand and you get to see John's hand like bubble up with the weird chemical burn. And then the sheriff who has come to like grabs him and pulls him back in there. So now John is, uh, short a hand, which is disgusting or it's like all, I mean, he can use it, just not for anything important. Uh, Kathy has uh, let the uh, mutated kids inside, uh, <laughs> which we're about to get to my favorite part of the movie. And uh, now they're they're all piling in after the sheriff and John and Lee and uh, Kathy. So this part is great because 
Uh, once she gets inside, she saw what Lisa did to uh, John's hand, and she's like, ah! But Lisa, the kid, their ki- their daughter comes in, and she's like, mama, doing the same thing. And this this is my favorite part of the whole movie, because Gail Garnett is um, not attractive. <laughs> and they did absolutely nothing to help her out in this movie, keeping her in that moo-moo and having her chain-smoking with her already hoarse voice the entire movie. But... Uh, this is my favorite part because Lisa comes in and she's like, Mama, Mama. And uh, Gail Garnett, Kathy, is like cornered against the wall and she does like a. <laughs> she does like a horse scream. It's like. <laughs> I swear to God, that's exactly what she does. It's hilarious. If I could get that as like my uh, incoming message alert, I would love that. That just that weird, uh, that chain smoking horse truck driver voice doing a. (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. Anyway, uh, so now we have like a cat and mouse thing that goes on throughout the house. Uh, They manage, uh, Clarky, the kid, unfortunately, gets the same radioactive treatment and he becomes one of the zombie mutants or whatever you want to call them. Um, we get like, uh, I'm going to, this part of the movie goes on for about 20 minutes, give or take. It's a bit of a thing. You've been drinking, haven't you? Can you tell Feeny? That's what happens when I'm left on my own. I, yes, I have been drinking. And that part is hilarious, regardless of my alcohol content. Uh, so we get like a cat and mouse thing throughout the farmhouse. They take her, they lead the kids out to like a weird chicken coop kind of a thing kids go out there then they bring them back then they go back and back and forth back and forth eventually they come to the conclusion that you can actually kill these kids these zombie kids if you cut their hands off sever their uh black fingernails and that will take care of the problem that actually kills them and more to the point which is even funnier when you do cut their hands off orange smoke comes flying out of their wrists like a fire extinguisher went off or some shit and then they die they just lay down and die so that is probably the weirdest approach to zombies i've ever seen in my life uh black fingernails uh, identifies them as zombies to kill them you have to cut their hands off so uh once they figure that out they kind of uh you know, they start lobbing off the hands. One of them like reaches in and then they grab the hand and they cut it off. And then they corner a bunch of them in the, the chicken coop and they cut their hands off. Unfortunately, John is forced with the problem of having to cut his own daughter's hands off. Very emotional scene. Um, they're thinking, you know what? We got the we got the last of them. We're good. We killed all the kids. We cut all their hand the zombie kids' hands off, so we're good to go. Sheriff's like, Woo! That was a crazy fucking night, man. I'm going to get in my cop car, go home, and uh, take a shower, probably go to bed. So as he gets in his cop car, another kid pops up out of the back seat with the black fingernails, does the orange tang face melt hug on the sheriff. He's dead. Uh, John runs up there and kills that kid who was hopefully the last of the zombie fingernail kids, and that's the end of them. And then from there, we cut to um, Kathy upstairs in the bathroom, yelling and screaming and freaking out. So John goes running up there. She's going into labor, which 
is a bit of a stretch considering the amount of cigarette smoking she's done while she's pregnant, but whatever. Uh, needless to say, uh, they deliver the baby themselves, and the baby comes out and starts breastfeeding, and the last shot of the movie is a close-up on the baby, baby's fingernails, in which you see black fingernails, i.e. they gave birth to a zombie baby. Zombie mutant radio, radioactive baby. I don't know. I don't know what these goddamn things are. And that is pretty much the end of your movie. That was The Children from 1980, got 5.5 stars. The first horror film that I recall watching. Um, It's not as bad as I remember it. Um, I'll tell you this. It was scored by the same guy that scored the very first Friday the 13th movie. I want to say it was Harry Manfredini, but I don't think it was him. I think it was like one of his assistants that did this one. Very similar score. So if you like the score from uh, Friday the 13th, you're going to love this one because it's it sounds exactly the same, really. Um, it's not a bad... It's a very strange approach to zombies and zombie kids specifically. Now, there's another movie that came out in 2011, also called The Children, which is... Um, Similar, I mean, Killer Kids, obviously, takes a more homicidal approach. I don't know I don't know that it's a remake or that it has anything to do with this at all, but it's much better. So if you're in the market for some Killer Kids, I say you check out The Children from uh, 2011. Avoid The Children from 1980 unless there's some... You know what? Never mind that part. You can check this one out. It's worth a watch at least once. If nothing else, just to scratch your head and be like, what the fuck is orange smoke and black fingernails? How does this... Zombies or... I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, other than that, man, it's it's worth a watch, I say. Why not? Why not check it out? It's weird. It's a weird movie. Uh, there are some, There is some boobs in there also. Not the best boobs in the world, but they're boobs anyway. So that's that. Check it out. Children from 1980, we're going to take us a little break and come back with some other stuff, inmates. G'day, mate. Welcome to Australia. Home of baby-eating dingoes, 100 different animals ready to kill you, Mick Taylor, Mick Dundee, and 20 other guys called Mick. Oh, and the dumbest bloke on planet Earth. I'm Ben, and I'm here to learn about horror films. But fear not. I've come to help this poor special needs kid as I make him sit down and watch some of the greatest and not so greatest horror films out there in our podcast, Horror for Dummies. Hooray! So join us every week on the Pattern Room Network as we talk about horror films old and new and listen to some favourite tracks while we spray some spiders. So the question stands, where the bloody hell are ya? So jump onto your kangaroo and hop on over to the Padded Room Network.
yourself in many worlds of horror, including Wicked Wednesdays with Alan and Shelley Easterling, 
horror for dummies with Tim and Jaleesa Davis. Who will survive with Paul Stevenson and Marco Pastos? The Resurrection of Zombie 7 Podcast with Ron Martin and Jessica Feeney. Dark History with Sarah Nowinski. Oh, and you cannot forget the Psych Ward with Darian and Mandy. There are so many frights for you that are just waiting a click away. Oh, uh, Igor, come closer with that cock monster. My my anal juices are... They're purging too much. Go watch the shows. I mean, listen to them. This is a podcast. You listen. You don't watch. Plug my ass, Igor. I'm making no sense. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I am back. Haters and all, baby. It's still just me. Nobody showed up last minute. Like, shocking, I know. Oh, God. I tell you what, kids, I don't think, I mean, if, if you think about it, nobody, I, I don't think anybody is hardwired to harm a child, but given a situation where a gang of children are um, coming at you or me specifically, I think I could lob some hands off, you know, uh, living dead or not, man, fuck them, you know, punk ass kids coming at you with black fingernails looking to give you the orange tang death hug or possibly steal your wallet or sell you some, uh, I don't know, bad bubble gum or something. Yeah. Go ahead. Chop their hands off, you know, teach them a lesson. I'm not saying you should just chop the, the hands off of kids willy nilly. You know, if one of them cuts in front of you in line at the supermarket, it'll be okay. Don't chop that guy's hands off. He's probably just trying to find his mom, but black fingernails, orange smoke, Get yourself a machete. Get ready to do some uh, manicures on these little bastards because you don't want the orange uh, face-melting death hug, dude. All right. Are you guys ready to get into this week's Terra Dome matchups? We had a couple of uh, of uh, good ones last week. Let's see what we got in the Terra Dome. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy. I'll kill you all. I'll dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotional face. With blackest eyes, the devil. 
Terradome. I'm going to start it off with last week's winners. Singles competition, we had Charlie, the Firestarter, versus the Wolf Man. The beast lunged from the shadows, and Charlie's instincts took over. It was on top of her, ripping and gnashing at her flesh. To get free, she reached into her mind and found the heat. And then the flames came. The authorities found the charred remains of Larry Talbot the following morning. With a vote of 7 to 5, the Wolfman is eliminated by Charlie the Firestarter. Can we call Firestarter a horror movie? I feel like, to me, it's more like a sci-fi fiction kind of a... I don't know, like a fantasy almost. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's written by Stephen King. But uh, is it scary? No. You're rooting for Charlie most of the time. I guess the real horror element comes from the the guys at the the shop, right? Because if you're a child and you display any kind of uh, extraordinary ability, they apparently have the uh, government authority to just snatch you right the fuck up. And that's where you'll be, dude. And that part is kind of scary. So... I don't know, man. I was never a big fan of, of uh, uh, Firestarter. Maybe I need to revisit it. I w- the, the movie was kind of wacky. I never read the book. Should I read the book? I don't know. It gives a shit. All right. Let's take a look at the team's competition. Team's competition. We had the Predators versus the Puppet Master Dolls. The hunters found themselves confused and lost. Superficial wounds were popping up all over them and multiplying quickly flames from out of the darkness gunshots followed and then then the slashing the sole survivor escaped to the drop pod to face the shame of a failed hunt with a vote of eight to four the puppet master dolls advance over the predators i kind of feel like that's an upset i'm not a big fan of killer dolls i am a big fan of uh the predators but if you apply logic to the equation I feel like you have to vote for the, the, the Puppet Master dolls. And, you know, you can make your arguments about the Predators being able to see or not being able to see. They're not going to suspect a bunch of dolls, dude. Okay? They're, they're toys. So, if nothing else, the dolls will get that initial element of surprise. And I think that right there will be enough to shut down the Predators. That's just my opinion. Eight to four... Puppet Master Dolls advance over the Predators. Let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? We are in the singles division, Inferno Conference round four. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not very good at writing things. Oh, and I'm a little nasally. One's natural instinct when faced with their own demise is to flee, even when when it's fruitless and counterintuitive. 
Nonetheless, that was Rachel's final card to play. She'd seen the video clip, she'd answered the phone afterward, and been given the ultimatum. Seven days had been her literal deadline. Five came and five went. She worked feverishly at solving the riddle of Samara Morgan and how a viral video clip could kill someone. She came up empty-handed and thus decided, out of desperation, to flee Seattle. The Pacific Northwest gives way to the Sierra Nevada mountain range, followed by the deserts of Arizona and then the plains of Texas. What should have been a quick stop for gas at a lonely station turns out to be a far worse ordeal. Rachel is knocked unconscious, taken to a dilapidated farmhouse, and held captive by a depraved family. For over 24 hours, she's kept alive, tortured, and humiliated by the cannibals. Then, a small basement television clicks to life. Singles competition, we have Leatherface versus Samara. Samara from the Ring franchise, obviously. I am going to have to go with Samara on this one. I like me some Leatherface. I like Bubba Sawyer. I like Thomas Hewitt a little bit better. But in the scope of the Terror Dome and what this horror combat thing means, I, I always have to give the edge to the supernatural element. And in this case, it's Samara. Leatherface, love him. Uh, some Leatherface is better than others. But at the end of the day, he's just a dude, crazy Big guy, scary, chainsaw, eats people, wears somebody else's various people's faces on his own, and that is pretty gnarly, and sometimes sews them on. It would look like it probably hurt quite a bit. But just to do Samara Morgan, on the other hand, has transcended. She's become some sort of a vengeful ghost slash viral demon type of a thing, and that is pretty fucking gnarly, and it is also very scary. Something else to think about in this matchup, uh, inmates. Leatherface, mentally, little more than a child. Easily frightened is what I, I su- submit to you. Well, maybe not. But still, uh, I, I feel like Samara could gain somewhat of a psychological edge on him. Think about that. Let's take a look at the team's competition. We are still in the Inferno Conference round four. I'm still not very good at writing things. Sophisticated people are known to have sophisticated tastes the kind that only great wealth and power can afford. That was where the exclusive Elite Hunting Company came in. For the right price, they could provide any heart's desire in the realm of human trafficking. Man, woman, boy, girl, black or white, you name it, they'll find it and deliver it, bound, gagged, and hamstrung to your front door. When news of the South Texas cannibal family broke, Elite Hunting's phones were ringing off the hook. Alive and living in the United States, that was prey or livestock that would fetch top dollar in open bidding. The extraction operation was underway. The family was on the run, but elite hunting employed men of certain skill sets, skills at finding people that didn't want to be found. Within the week, the family is located in an abandoned rock quarry about 20 minutes outside of El Paso. An extraction team is mobilized and dispatched. Team's competition, we have the Elite Hunting Company versus the Sawyer family. Uh, in this one, I am going with the Elite Hunting Company, and the reason for that is because uh, these are ex-military. You know, I'm not saying the Sawyers aren't bad motherfuckers, but, I, I mean, they are scary, but they, um, they're just people, and people can be shot and killed. 
And I feel like that is kind of elite hunting company's uh, bread and butter right there is the snatch and grab. <laughs> no pun intended. And just being able to uh, kill people wanting wantonly and recklessly, you know, no remorse at all. So for that reason, I'm taking elite hunting company. Those are your Teradome matchups for the weekend, mates. In singles, we have uh, Leatherface versus Samara teams. It's the Elite Hunting Company versus the Sawyer family. Get us your votes by next week if you can. Inmates, the Mental Health Hotline is area code 775-387-0275. Or you get us on the regular old email at thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. Or if you want to tell me to go fuck myself, by all means... I would love to have some more haters out there. I feel like I do. They just haven't made their presence known. So maybe I'm not trying hard enough. I don't know. Please get a hold of me. Tell me what you liked about The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. I want to hear somebody defend that movie. Besides, um, what was it? Uh, Eldritch Devil 666 or whatever. Uh, And not just call me a smug prick. Because that's not really telling me what's good about that movie. That's just making fun of me. And I get enough of that in my regular day-to-day life. (laughs) So, whatever, man. Whatever you want to do. All right. Those are your Teradome matchups. While you're pondering who's going to win those fights, why don't we get into a little segment we like to call, What Are You Looking At? I had a very busy week of tearing up floors in my house. Thus, I did not get to watch many movies. But I will tell you about what I did see right now. What are you looking at? Uh, I'm up to episode five of The Boys, which is streaming on Amazon Prime. That's a pretty good show. If you've had about enough of the superhero horse shit, this is probably a good movie for you or a good show for you to check out. And I am rapidly falling in love with Carl Urban. He was great in that uh, Judge Dredd movie that nobody else seemed to like. Um, I did not like him in Doom. That, but it's I don't think that was his fault. That was a shit movie all the way around. And that includes The Rock, by the way. It, it wasn't very good. Um, so I watched. I'm up to season five. I'm going to hopefully polish that off this week. Also watch the abominable Doctor Fibes from 1971. We covered Anton Fibes on this week's, or yeah, this week's installment of the Psych Ward, which is another show here on the Padded Room Network with me and Mandy, where we do uh, horror villain profiles. So we kind of broke him down, checked him out. He's got a lot of issues, but he's actually not a bad dude. Unless you're some kind of a sleazy doctor. And that, my friends, is all I'm looking at. Buddy and Monica aren't here, so fuck them. Let's talk a little immersion therapy, shall we? Did anybody watch uh, Painkillers? Doesn't sound like it. Immersion Therapy. Oh, did anybody get a chance to check out Painkillers? It's fine. It's not that bad. I'm not dramatically opposed 
to the use of the vampire mythos as an allegory for drug addiction. This one laid it on a little thick, though, if I do say so myself. I get it. You got the doctor, the grieving doctor who lost his kid. I thought this was going to be a movie about ghosts. Turns out it's about a bunch of prick vampires and this doctor is trying to shake the blood addiction. Now, the funny, the funny thing about using vampirism as an allegory for drug addiction is that I think a lot of a lot of storytellers and a lot of direct, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of directors miss the fact that vampires need blood to live, much the same way humans need food to live. So you could kick a drug habit. It's been done. I mean, you know, not in the metaphorical sense. You never really kick. You just kind of go day to day. Okay, I get that. But you could stop using drugs. Uh, we can't stop eating or drinking water. So that is more of the parallel for vampirism and blood. Uh, that being said, it's not a bad show. Um, once I realized we were in vampire town, I could use a little more vampire and a little less drug addict because I felt like they let... let let us on a little heavy with the vampire at first. Ooh, you got this vampire killer out there, and then the doctor has the accident, and he gets the shakes, and as soon as he drinks blood, the shakes go away. But then you realize that, ah, I mean, I don't even, I don't know, do we even call these vampires? I mean, they drank blood, and it got them, kept them young and virile, but at the same time, you could kill them with a gun. So there's no flying, they don't shapeshift, they don't really do anything that cool. So I guess more, maybe more like cannibals. I don't know, man. It's Like I said, it's more of an allegory for uh, drug addiction. I'm going to say if you didn't watch it, I say you go ahead and skip that one because it's kind of wacky and a uh, li- little thick with the drug drug addiction uh, tactic there. I, get, I, I see what you're doing. Uh, your immersion therapy for this week is going to be The Basement. It is from 2018. It's streaming streaming on Netflix as we speak. Rated TVMA. This one stars Misha Barton, Jackson Davis, and Caleb Long. This one's directed by Brian Conley. Uh, check that out. It's on Netflix as we speak. We will do the same and compare notes next week, inmates. Other than that, I think that's all we got on the week. I mean... We got no Monica to educate, and uh, that's, I guess, yeah, man, I guess that's about it. Sorry for the short show and for the drunken rambling, but that's what you get when I'm here left uh, unattended and unsupervised. So join us next week. If I didn't already tell you, we're going to do Day of the Triffids in two weeks from now. I'm going to make that uh, uh, that call on behalf of Miss Monica. I know that's one of her favorite movies from her childhood, so Join us for hopefully Monica's first or second kiss into the horror subgenre and her obsession with it. Day of the Triffids, two weeks from now, um, for Buddy, Miss Monica, both in absentia, Kids with Black Fingernails, Tang, Haters, um, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, and all the weirdos that actually like that movie. Um, me, myself, and I, and the Padded Room Podcast... I'm afraid visiting hours are over.